0: Hi everybody, I'm Grant Fishbook and I'm the lead teaching pastor here at Christ the King Church in Bellingham. I wanna thank you for accessing this online content. We're so glad that you've decided to watch this message today. And one of our values here at Christ the King is biblical community. And so I just wanna encourage you uh, and remind you that while we are glad that you are accessing this content, this is absolutely no replacement for face-to-face biblical community wherever you happen to be. If you happen to be in our area, we would love to welcome you to any one of our five campuses. But if you're watching this somewhere else in the country or somewhere else in the world, I hope that you'll take the opportunity to find a biblical community where you can both give and receive as you continue your journey with Jesus. Well, I'd like to welcome you to one of my favorite times of year and a brand new series that we're calling The Invitation. You know, The Invitation at Christmas is really in being invited into a brand new family or being invited out of some really difficult circumstances, because we know not everybody has the perfect Christmas. So at this time, I'd like to invite you to walk with me into the worship center, as we begin our brand new series called The Invitation. So good morning, sleep in service. I love that you guys come late. It just makes me happy, at least a little bit later in the day. I'd like to invite you to do something right now. I'd like to invite you into a quiet place. I'd like to invite you to leave your list behind. I'd like to invite you to ignore the pile of receipts that's sitting on the desk back home. I'd like to invite you to just take a big deep breath for just a moment and to give God your full attention. We're going to invite you into a bit of a different season over the next couple of weeks. I, I already see the tension and the, and the stuff that, that just invades people's lives this time of year because I know you're, you're busy and there's a lot going on, and, and trying to get to church in the midst of all of that can be an unbelievable challenge. But we'd like to invite you into the quietness of a place so that we can hear God whisper his invitation to our heart today. This time of year, I get a lot of junk mail. My favorite ones are the ones that are addressed to Reverend Fishbone (laughs) or Pastor Grant Fishhead. I just appreciate the personal nature of the envelope. The truth is a lot of trees die in my mailbox every single week. And normally, unless my assistant Diane beats me to the mailbox, I reach up there, I grab the pile, and I just start throwing them in the recycle bin. It's just like, no, 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 no. If it's not personal correspondence, I rarely pay it any attention at all. A couple of years ago, I got an envelope that didn't just hit the automatic eject button into the recycle bin. There was just something about it that that made me stop. There was a a quality of paper that just spoke something to my fingers. There was something about the weight of the envelope that that conveyed some level of importance. There was something about the return address that just kind of captured my attention. 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. That's interesting. So I opened up the envelope, and my name was on the envelope inside of the envelope, so apparently when you're doing something formal, there's an envelope inside of an envelope. And I opened up the correspondence inside of that, and it was an invitation from the office of the President of the United States. Okay? So just so we're clear, not from the President, from the office of the President of the United States inviting me to a prayer meeting with the faith-based liaison presidential representative. So I wasn't going to meet with the president, just an opportunity to meet with one of his emissaries, essentially. And I freaked out just a little bit, and a bunch of really human questions just flowed through my head. Why me? What would I wear? How am I going to get there? And what if the actual president actually shows up? There's the truth. I couldn't get to the meeting and to my knowledge right now, that office doesn't even exist underneath of the, 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 the president administration. And the only reason I'm telling you that story is this. I was captured not by the event, but by the invitation. Somebody important wanted to spend a little bit of time with me. I want you to know something today. Someone far more important than the president wants to spend some time with you this Christmas. The King of glory wants to invite you into a celebration of new life. And when you hear that, you may start asking questions like, what celebration? Why me? What am I going to wear? How am I going to get there? What if Jesus actually shows up? Let's talk about that a little bit. In the New Testament of the Bible, the part where Jesus actually shows up as a baby and then grows into a full-blown God-man, we find Jesus telling stories. The reason Jesus would tell a story is because either he wanted to make a point or people were confused. And so I'm going to tell you a part of Jesus doing exactly that. He's hanging out at the home of religious leader. And we're going to do this every week. We're going to start with grown-up Jesus and work our way down to baby Jesus all the way through the Christmas season. But he's hanging out at the home of a religious leader. And the story opens this way with this phrase. One Sabbath, when Jesus went into the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. So they're watching him because the religious leaders were always trying to trip Jesus up. They were always trying to catch him in his words. If you read the New Testament, there was always this contentious relationship between Jesus and the Pharisees. And the reason was this. Religious people were all about rules and regulations and religion. Jesus was always focusing on relationship. So it put them at odds with each other at times. And dinner's coming close. and, And Jesus actually has an etiquette lesson. In verse 13, this is what he says to a group of very nice, tidy, religious people. He says, but when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And we read that and we go, oh, that's really, really nice. What you need to know is every Pharisee in the room would have gone, you you want me to invite who? you want me to invite those people people who are challenged people who are different i'm supposed to invite them into them my private party like this is uh, uh, this is for the in group not for the out group and 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 we have to be really careful with our conclusions when we read those kinds of things because Jesus is making a very clear point here. In fact, let me quote Revelation chapter 3 later on because I think we're tempted to actually think that that maybe we don't want to involve ourselves in people who are a little bit messy and we convince ourselves that somehow we're just a little bit better because we're already inside of the group. And Jesus says this to us in Revelation, you say that you're rich you say, have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you don't realize that you are wretched and pitiful and poor and blind and naked. Apparently, Jesus thinks we all need an invitation because we're not hosting the party, He's hosting a party. And in comparison to His perfection, everybody in the room, no matter how tidy we would like to present ourselves to be, we are all spiritually crippled, spiritually lame, spiritually blind. We're all on the out, and yet Jesus is saying, I'd like to invite you in. The conversation continues. When one of those at the table with Him heard this, He said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of Now, I don't have time to break it all out, but that would have freaked out everybody at the table because here's what Jesus wanted the Pharisees to know, and here's what He wants us to know. When it comes to the kingdom of God, many of the people that you thought were out are actually in, and many of the people who think they're in are actually out. And what makes us really uncomfortable is this. The table of God, the banquet of God, it's got an open invitation to everyone. It's not tidy. It's not pretty, it's not formal, it's messy. So you can imagine the 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 tension at the dinner all of a sudden just kind of started creeping up because the Pharisees were all about being neat and tidy. And Jesus all of a sudden says, I'm going to throw a party and it's not going to be neat and it's not going to be tidy. It's not about checking the religious boxes. I actually want you to invite those out on the edge into the center of the party and they don't get it and they're confused. So Jesus tells a story. Verse 16, Jesus replied, certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who'd been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. So they got their invitation, they replied that they were coming, and now the servants go out and say, The banquet's ready to go. And this is what happens in verse 18. The story takes a hard left hand turn. But they all alike began to make excuses I got a headache, I'm too busy, I don't do crowds, I'm an introvert. And we all kind of have that subtle little chuckle that comes up because we like to think that Jesus is talking about the office Christmas party, which we are really, really good at making excuses to try and avoid, but the truth is He's not talking about your office Christmas party. Jesus is talking about an invitation to become a part of His family. He's talking about an invitation to step into the center of his kingdom. He's stepping into this place where he's saying, I want you to come and live the Jesus way now and forever and for the rest of eternity. And I don't know about you. I am so good at making excuses up for things when I don't want to go somewhere. Anybody else in the room? Don't lie in church, okay? because we all have the good intentions, and I found myself making excuses. I do it all of the time. I'm going to get serious about my relationship with Jesus in 2018. It's going to be epic. (laughs) Made the same promise in 17, 16, 15, and 14, but this year I'm really going to get to it. I'm going to change. I'm going to change this stuff in my life when I get around to it. I can't get baptized next week. The Hawks are playing sometime during the day, and they need me to cheer for them. And that's kind of like church, right, Grant? Especially if they're playing the saints, right? I mean, that's kind of like church. Saturday night didn't get that joke at all. It just went right over top of their head. I'm going to get around to reading my Bible after I binge watch seven seasons of Grey's Anatomy, because after all, that's just so important. (laughs) It's just so funny watching people go, oh, shoot, right? <laughs> I'm going to give something to the blessing I will right after I take care of me and mine because after all, they are me and mine. I'm going to do that recovery work. I'm going to get it straight and square. But I need to celebrate Christmas first. It's kind of like this, right? Those of you that grew up in church, this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine when it fits in the calendar, after the excuses, when it fits in because I don't want Jesus to interrupt my flow. I mean, I just need Him to mind His own business until I'm ready. Those are our excuses. Let's listen to their excuses, right? They actually make a pretty valid point here. It's pretty amazing. They talk about personal investments, which you think that warrants some attention, right? Your personal investments. They make excuses about personal time. Kind of a big deal, right? All of us, we only have limited amounts of hours. I mean, nobody else in the room gets more than 168 hours this week. We're all linked in the same time. And then there's those personal commitments, which just seem to pile up this time of year. I mean, this, this is the year when you got to ask the question do you run your calendar or does your calendar run you? Here come their excuses. I love this. The first said, I've just bought a field. I must go and see it. Please excuse me. <laughs> Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen. That's like you saying, just bought a new truck, okay? On my way to try them out, please excuse me, still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Now, let's be real about this for a second. All of those things, you buy a piece of real estate, it would be wise of you to actually go and check out the real estate. You buy a new vehicle that allows you to do your work, nothing wrong with testing out the vehicle and making sure that it's right. And I mean, for the love of God, if you get married, you're supposed to put a lot of energy and attention towards that relationship. That just makes sense. A lot of these excuses are valid unless they take priority over an invitation to meet with the King of Kings because anything that gets in the way or takes priority over Jesus, there's a word for it in Scripture. It's called an idol. Amen. And God said, there's no idols allowed in my family. I just got too much going on, Jesus. Thanks for the invitation. I'm going to have to pass this year. Thanks for throwing the party again. I'll see you in 2018. Let's keep going. Verse 21. The servant came back, reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house, the guy who's throwing the party, became angry. Let's stop there and that makes us uncomfortable because we like nice bathrobe wearing, feather haired, King James talking Jesus. We love that Jesus, right? We like the Jesus who says everything's cool, it's fine. We like the Jesus who winks at our idols, doesn't confront them. We love the Jesus who just slaps us a high five on the way into heaven. That's the one we like. You know who we don't like? We don't like upset Jesus saying, excuse me, I extended an invitation and you threw it in the garbage can." But that's this Jesus right now. And I love what happens. The owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant. Oh boy, here it comes. Go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you've ordered has been done. There's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get to taste of my banquet. That's a tough story. And some of you, I can just see by your body language, you're just like, I just wanted a nice Christmas message. That's what I wanted. I wanted a story about the grumpy innkeeper because I can relate to him better than anybody else in the story. I wanted to talk about the little drummer boy, even though he doesn't even exist. I would even like it if Grant talked about King Wentz, list, because list, 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 at least he's lighting stuff on fire and that makes me feel like I feel at Christmas time. Sorry to disappoint you and we're going to end up at Christmas. But before we go there, I want to point something out. This is something to consider according to Luke 14. The servants of the celebration leader, they were doing something. They were actively inviting the unlikely into the celebration. They were busy. They weren't taking a pass. They weren't so wrapped up in other things that they missed out on the party itself. It always fascinates me to watch our attendance chart in December. It always goes down. You know why? Because we're all busy. We've got a lot of things to do. My question is this. If we actually want Jesus to be in the center of it, don't you think we should actually put Him in the center of it? This is the time of year we talk about opportunities to give people a personal invitation. We give people a personal invitation because we want them to actually hear about Jesus at one of our Christmas services. We don't do that just so we can have a full house. Honestly, that does not matter. We do that because we actually still have a conviction here at Christ the King that when the King of the universe, the Jesus of Christmas, steps into the middle of anyone's broken life, we actually have the audacity to believe that miracles still happen and people's lives still get completely transformed. We believe that as a conviction. That's why we want to be actively a part of the invitation that God extends to every single person, no matter where you are on the continuum, to step into the center of God's family and to begin a relationship with Him. So we put out invitations every year at the same time, and we actually ask you to actively invite. And we didn't come up with this idea on its own. This is not a, a strategy for church growth. This is actually a Jesus thing. This is a Bible thing. All through Scripture, you see the heart of an inviting God who keeps inviting people into relationship with Him. It's personal. It's active. Let me tell you what it's not. It's not this kind of a conversation. Hey, John, the uh, church does this Christmas thing. It's a church like they're back behind Lovers. You know that one back over there? Um, The the big blue signs, you know, right next to where you go buy a coat. It's right back in there, and we do this thing, Christmas weekend, and I don't know a clue what time it is, but there's some time during the weekend, and it'd be awesome. You should show, because you really need this. (laughs) It's not it. It's not grabbing invitations and sticking them under windshield wipers. It's not putting them in your neighbor's post office boxes because that's actually illegal unless it's got a stamp on it. And the postmaster will call me eventually if we all do that. (laughs) Happened before. (laughs) We create these so you can have a moment that maybe sounds something like this. Hey, John, how long have we been working together? Like 12 years? Man, I have no idea what your family has planned for Christmas, but... My family's doing this thing. We go to Christ the King, that church on the guide. And we're going to go to Christmas service this year. We'd love it if you came with us. We'd like you to come along and nobody's going to do anything weird. And we do this really cool thing at the end of the service where we light a candle and we sing famous Christmas songs and and something just kind of happens inside of the room. It's interesting. And I don't know what your plans are, but boy, we'd love to have you come and join us. Why don't you think about it? Simple as that. It's relational, it's personal. I saw a poll last week, some research that was done. I thought it was fascinating. You guys have heard me talk about this before. So, research group goes out, They poll thousands of people, not just a couple hundred people in a mall. They poll thousands of people, and this is what they found in this past year. 85%, the number's actually gone up, 85% of people said that they would go to church on Christmas if someone else would just invite them. It used to be in the high 70s. The number's gone up. You know why the number's gone up? I don't know if you've noticed this or not. The world's a little nuts these days, and people are a little freaked out. So let me do my Canadian math for you. Eight and a half out of 10 people, I can say that, I'm Canadian, okay? Eight and a half out of 10 people would actually come on Christmas if someone would just invite them to go. I looked at that and I go, that's awesome. Like, that's fantastic. 85% of people, that's fantastic. Here was the other half of the research. They also did a poll on thousands of Christians, and this was the result. Only 2% of Christians said they'd ever invited anyone to church, ever. Eight and a half out of 10 say they'd come. Two out of 100 said they cared enough to actually invite somebody. I don't know what you do with that. That's horrifying. And what an amazing opportunity because God's an inviting God. And the lesson today is simple. We've got to be an inviting people. I try to practice what I preach around here. So let me tell you why I choose to actively invite people into the celebration of Jesus. It's because of what Jesus invited me out of. Jesus invited me out of isolation and into relationship. I was in a dark place when I came to Jesus. My life and my lies were crumbling around me. I was confronted with myself. I did not like the person who looked back at me in the mirror. I had so many questions, and my questions uh, had a few answers. They were deeply philosophical, but the truth was they were incredibly empty. And I learned something. When you're in that much darkness, you need a God who does light in a really profound way. And God is a God of of light, so He steps into the isolation of darkness, and He brings the light of relationship. That's why the Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 5. It says, but you were once darkness. Now, it's interesting. It doesn't say you were once in darkness. It says, you were once in such a place where the darkness was so wrapped around you, we couldn't even see you. You were once darkness, actually a part of it. But then it continues and says, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of darkness. Light, that means we were once wrapped in darkness, but now God has actually placed his light inside of us. In fact, it's amazing. Jesus says this. He said that he was the light of the world, but he also said you are the light of the world. You're supposed to shine so brightly that people actually see that, and out of their darkness, they are actually compelled to move towards the light of God's grace and God's mercy that has just completely transformed you. So Jesus called me out of that darkness into a completely different place. Secondly, Jesus invited me out of chaos into celebration. I mean, my life was chaos and questions, drama and trauma. That was a great description. I wanted peace more than anything. And that's why I love the fact that Jesus describes Himself as a Prince of Peace. I needed that. Isaiah 26, here's a promise, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord Himself is the rock eternal. God is looking for people who are willing to put Jesus at the apex of their Christmas celebration because that's where He belongs. Somebody say amen. Amen. That's where He belongs. I don't know about you, I used to celebrate Fridays because it meant I actually made it through another week. But that's not what the Jesus way is. We're not supposed to just celebrate Fridays because we survived. We're supposed to be able to to celebrate the sacrament of every single moment because every single moment is a gift from God Himself. Let's keep going. Jesus invited me out of bad news into good news. My life was bad. The world was bad. All the stuff was bad. It was all bad. And I was terrified that that was actually all there was to life. And I was so desperate for that fear to go away that God used a cartoon to capture my heart. I love a Charlie Brown Christmas. Still makes me smile. You know why? Because I love the politically incorrect moment when Linus comes to the center of the stage and all the lights go down around him and he says, and the angel said unto them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all of the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Whew. I needed that. I wanted that. Jesus invited me out of stigma into salvation. I mean, every one of us, we've got a stigma attached to us. We've got a mark on our soul It probably came from a bad decision or a bad choice that me we made way back when, and we're still ashamed by it, and we don't like to talk about it. And, and every time we think we're making spiritual steps forward, the devil shows up and says, I know what you did. I remember, you're never going to be in. You're never going to get the invitation because amazing grace is great for everybody else in the room, but not for you because your pile of dirt is just a little bit bigger than everybody else's. So we come to a conclusion, disqualified myself, I don't get to come to God's party, I won't be getting an invitation this year, I can never be in, I'm always out, and it almost feels like the Bible says that's the way it is. 1 Corinthians 6 says, do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? And we're kind of stuck because we know that's true. We're wrongdoers at certain level, so we think that's the way it's supposed to be. And if the Bible ended with 1 Corinthians 6 on that particular verse, that would be an unbelievable tragedy, and we're all wasting our time, but that's not how that chapter ends. The Bible says... And that's what some of you were, past tense, old news. Time for the devil to be quiet because he doesn't get to lie about you or your past anymore. Scripture says, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God, which means this, you got a past, you're going to fit right in with the rest of us dysfunctional people, but here's the cool idea, we are not who the devil says that we were, we are who Jesus says we are. That's the celebration of this time of year. And you want good news? I'll give it to you. Jesus can remove the stigma. He can remove the mark. He can wash you as white as snow. He can rewrite the wrongs. He can give you beauty for ashes. He can forgive. Jesus can turn the pain of the past into the promise of the future. And Jesus right now is inviting you to a reunion. You know what he wants more than anything? He would love for you to come to his house for Christmas. I don't deserve it, I'm disqualified, aren't we all? That's what makes it so crazy. Hold on to that thought for a second, because some of you are still like, I still don't understand what this has to do with Christmas. Let's go back 2,000 years, the world's asleep, God hasn't spoken in 400 years. And the silence is broken by an angel choir singing good news of great joy to a group of Bedouin outcast shepherds outside of a podunk town in Israel of all places. And God invites the shepherds to a birthday party. Here's what happens. So they hurried off being the shepherds and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger and when they'd seen Him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. So here's the deal. Get the picture. It's probably a cave, and it's tucked back in the middle of nowhere, and the shepherds have this incredible invitation, and so they show up, and it's moments after the birth, and, and the only people that are there, get the picture, is Mary, Joseph, Joseph. Jesus and the shepherds. And some of you are like, I got wise men in my nativity scene. You're fine. Take a deep breath, okay? They don't actually show up till a couple years later, but you're good. You don't have to take them out. All right? Leave them alone. I had a little kid tell me, I have Batman in my nativity scene. I'm like, okay. <laughs> He's invited too. All right? That's good. All right? Don't miss this amazing picture, because i got to ask you a question. Who did Jesus invite into the delivery room? That personal space. I've gone to the hospital a lot of times in the last 18 years. I show up as the pastor, you know, and stuff's going on. I have never been invited into the delivery room while the delivery's going on. And I never want to be invited. <laughs> into- And I'm never the first one to go into the room either. You know why? Because usually grandma and grandpa want to get in there first. (laughs) The most important people to that family get the first access. So I got a question for you, church. If these are the people who were invited into that inner circle, what does that say about God's heart? Let me remind you, you got Joseph. I'll talk about him next week. I call him the misunderstood He's just misunderstood. Can you imagine him trying to explain his story to people? So, um, so my fiance is pregnant, and I know that's not cool. And she says the baby's God, but, God's, but nothing weird happened, like nothing like that. You can judge me if you want to. And I know I have options, but an angel told me I'm supposed to love her, so that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I think he's misunderstood. How about Mary? I call her the maligned. I mean, after all, she's engaged, but she's pregnant. It's out of order. It's not the way that it's supposed to be. She's the topic of every gossip conversation in Nazareth, and everybody's whispering, I mean, God's baby, whatever, that is so wrong, and they're thinking in their head, we know exactly who she is. I mean, she's got a mark. There's a stigma attached to this young lady, and in our culture, she could be actually killed for what she had done, and, and it's just not right. I mean, she's maligned. She's maligned. Nobody was saying, wow, Mary's incredible. They were all saying, Mary's messed up. So we've got the misunderstood, we've got the maligned. I'm going to remind you where they are. <laughs> They're in the inner circle. we got one more group to add, the shepherds show up. I call them the marginalized... In this culture, shepherds were hated and judged and discriminated against. They were barely tolerated. They were shunned. They were categorized. They were excused from the inner side of any circle. They were just shepherds. They were normal blue-collar workers that nobody else would trust in any way, shape, or form. And we can talk down about them until we remember they got invited. The first ones to show. The marginalized become the very first missionaries. Apparently, Jesus has room for misunderstood, maligned, marginalized people. Apparently, Jesus has room on the guest list for for people who think that they're disqualified because of something that they've done. And and they're a little shocked when they find out that, that Jesus shows up because we know that it's not just Jesus, it's wonderful counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace." You know, I know something about misunderstood, maligned, and marginalized people, because I am one. I know this about us. (laughs) We know a really, really good offer when we see one. Because when you're used to being on the outside of the circle and you suddenly have an invitation to step inside of the circle, we just go, okay, mm, that sounds good. I don't fully understand it, but I'm going to step towards the center. I'm going to move towards the one who is actually offering the invitation. And every week through this series, we're going to keep reminding you that you've been invited and God wants you to invite someone else to step in even though they feel maligned, and misunderstood and marginalized. One point today, that's it. If you don't get anything else, please take this with you. The God of all creation has a guest list for the celebration of the birth of His Son, and you're on it. Amen. You didn't write your name there yourself. He wrote it. Grown-up Jesus paid for your admission on a cross, and He used the manger to get there. And he says, I don't care how you see yourself, I see you different, and I want you to come, and I want you to be a part, I want you to be in my family, not on the outside. So you're invited. And to the tidy religious people who are still struggling with this idea, I know it's really, really hard, but I'm going to say it because of what Jesus said all the way through Scripture. It may bother you that there's messy people involved, but this is the heart of Jesus when it comes to His celebration. It's come one, come all. And now you have an opportunity to decide whether you're going to accept the invitation or not. And I'd love to give you an opportunity to do that. We have seen God do amazing things all weekend long, and it's always the same story. I just showed up in church. I, didn't, I was just doing the Christmas thing, and then I found out that I was invited, and I said yes. So I don't care if you have a stigma. I don't care if you're misunderstood. I don't care if you're marginalized. You need to know this. The God who's in charge of this place has written an invitation and your name's on it. And now you have to decide if you'll accept it. So let's do that. Would you pray with me right now? Father God, I thank you for the quietness of this moment, and I pray that there would just be a sweetness to this quiet space. Because, Lord, it may be the only quiet that some of us get to experience this coming week. And, God, right now, we want to be the kind of people who accept your invitation so that we can experience your love, grace, and your mercy so that we can invite someone else to experience it too. So, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I have no idea what your story is. Maybe you're misunderstood. Maybe people are talking about you. Maybe you just feel out on the edge. And I want you to know God wants to invite you into His family. And you can do that today by simply accepting the invitation. So I'm going to invite you that if God did something in your heart while I was talking and you want to accept His invitation, I'm going to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me in your heart right now. In the bottom of your soul, just say, Jesus, I've done this the wrong way. And to be honest, I'm kind of lost. And I feel like things I did in my past have disqualified me, but I heard today that you still have a place for me at your table, at your celebration. So I'd like to accept you. You. I'd like to accept your invitation into your family. God, right now, I confess my sin. I've been wrong, but I ask, would you forgive me? Would you open a door so I could step into the middle of your family? And God, I will give you the rest of my life. Every moment from now on is yours. And I need you to help me push all the idols out of my life because I only want to focus on you because you're the only one who can save me right now. So I give my life fully and completely to you. With every head bowed, if you prayed that prayer, you just accepted an invitation from Jesus to be a part of his family. We'd like to celebrate that with you. So I'm not going to embarrass you, but if you prayed that prayer this morning and you opened your heart to a relationship with Jesus at this precious season of the year, would you just slip your hand up in the air so I can see it? Just stick it straight up. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you all across the back. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you over here. God bless you. God, thank you for not holding our past against us. Thank you for forgiving and allowing us to to step fully into your family. God, thank you for being an inviting God. Help us now to invite others to be a part of this great celebration too. God, I celebrate these. Stepped into the light today. We're honored to be their family and we pray that they would walk with us from now until eternity calls us home. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Well, thank you again for watching. We're so glad you accessed this content online. I want to encourage you again to make sure you get connected in biblical community wherever you are. If you'd like to get more information about Christ the King Church, if you'd like to submit a prayer request or if you'd like to give online, we'd encourage you to go to ctk.church. We hope to see you again really soon.